Here we are. Here's Pastor to the rescue. God bless you all. Have a great morning. I don't know what just happened, but it must have been exciting. God bless you. Welcome, everybody. This is such a, a great moment. Isn't God great? Amen. If you brought your Bibles, we are in the book of Acts this morning, the 27th chapter. Again, in verse number one. And when it was determined that we should sail into Italy, they delivered Paul and certain other prisoners unto one named Julius, a centurion of Augustus' band. Verse number four. Four. And when we had launched from thence, we sailed under Cyprus because the winds were contrary. Please underscore that. Verse 9 and 10. Now when much time was spent and when sailing was now dangerous because the fast was now already past, Paul admonished them. And he said unto them, Sirs, I perceive that this voyage will be with hurt and much damage, not only of the lady of the ship, but also our lives. Verses 18 to 20. And we being exceedingly tossed with a tempest, the next day they lightened the ship. And the third day we cast out with our own hands the tackling of the ship. And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared and no small tempest lay on us, all hope That we should be saved was then taken away. Verse 25. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told unto me. I'm going to tell this message, peace among the pieces. Peace among the pieces the pieces. And as we begin this morning, brothers and sisters, we notice in our text that Paul is heading to Rome on his last missionary journey. And all of a sudden, a storm arises, a storm that was not expected. He's doing God's will. He's led by the Spirit of God. And all of a sudden, The ship is being tossed to and fro like a leaf in the wind. And perhaps you can hear Paul saying, just perhaps, God, why is this happening? How can this be? I'm in your will. I'm doing what you called me to do. You told me I need to be there at a certain time. And and now there's this storm that comes and Our lives are at stake. 
How can this be? Why is this happening? My goodness, if I can count how many people have said to me over the years, Pastor, why is this happening in my life? Why is this and why is that? Perhaps you said it at one point in your life, why am I going through this? Why am I going through this? My premise this morning, brothers and sisters, I'll give you two A's. Let me say this, that the presence of adversity does not mean the absence of God's presence. The presence of adversity does not mean the absence of God's presence. It's important we understand that. You see, you can't take the severity of a storm as an indication of whether God is with you or not. And that's the mistake that most of us make. We go through difficult times, we go through experiences, and then, and then we do what the disciples ask Jesus. Jesus, whose fault was it that this man is blind? Was it, is it his fault? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Is there something wrong? Why am I going through this problem? I don't understand it. Well, Jesus said that the rain falls upon the just and the unjust. Jesus also says that the sun shines upon the just and the unjust. Peter tells us in the first chapter 4, he says, don't think it's strange, brothers. Don't think it's strange when the fiery trials come against you. Don't think it's strange like something is going on. That, that, that this is uncommon. This is common. For the Bible declares that all that will live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer some form of suffering and persecution. You see, my friends, there's all kinds of storms. All kinds of storms. There are health storms. There are financial storms. There are emotional storms. There are relational storms. Yeah, yeah, just all kinds of storms. But what I want to talk to you about this morning are the storms that people can't see. Storms that are covered up. Storms that people say, now hold on a second. You're going through something? Are you really going? You come to church and I see such a wonderful smile. You look so good on the other. You can't be going through a storm. You look too good. You got such a great smile. But on the inside, you're being torn apart. Your ship is being, is being tossed. You're going through a secret storm. Yeah, yeah. There's a silent scream. Nobody can hear it but you. It's a deafening scream. But it's a silent one. It's silent, and you don't want anybody to know about it. And you keep it inside of you. You've got to cover up, and, and we've become, many of us, masters of disguises. We've become like spiritual chameleons where we just blend into our environment because we don't want to look like we're going through something. So let me just blend in. It's, it's a secret storm and there's a silent scream and you need, you just don't want to have anybody know about this. What are they going to think of you? And we become, some of us, like, like spiritual peacocks. You know, 
peacock. Yeah, the peacock, the most beautiful, the most majestic bird on the face of the earth. They've got fuchsia, purples, and greens, and yellows, turquoise, gorgeous feathers, gorgeous colors, incredible plumage, wonderful, majestic bird. Uh, but the problem is the peacock can't sing, and the peacock can't fly. But oh, it looks so good on the outside but it can't sing there's no joy it can't fly there's no faith but you look good and people can't tell that you're going through something but you do and your ship is falling apart you see if I'm going through a physical storm then then people can see it. And if you're going through a physical storm that people can see, then maybe, just maybe they, they might want to help you. And maybe they'll, they'll want to toss you a, a life jacket or maybe get, maybe get a raft or maybe go after you and get you to rescue you. If they can see that you're going through something, they'll do what they can to help you because they see you're going through something. But this storm is secret. It's a secret storm. It's deep inside of you and it's hidden. And you think if God is with me, then everything has to be smooth. If God is with me, pastor, then certainly my bills are going to be paid. If God is with me, my rent will be paid. My cupboard should be full. After all, isn't that what the preacher told me? Isn't that what the preacher preaches on television? That if I just believe God, then my cupboards will be filled. I'll never get sick. I'll always be smiling. I'll always be filled with joy. I'll be able to drive a big car and I'll have a big house. All you have to do is just believe. Pastor, that's, that's what the preacher told me. Yeah. But wait a minute. I, my ship is coming apart. I, I don't understand. I'm confused. My God, I, I'm asking, where are you, Lord? I, I'm asking, where are you? How, how can God be with me? I just lost my job pastor how can God be with me my wife just left me how can God be with my kids one of them's just gone to jail how can God be with me I'm in deep water I can't breathe I can't even swim God where are you oh my brothers and sisters is there anybody here? Anybody on Facebook? Anybody on YouTube? Maybe my baptismal candidates. Oh, you've done a great thing today, but maybe deep down inside of you, there's a cry. There's a cry deep within you. Look, my friend, you're not alone. Countless of people in the Bible have suffered the same fate. Job said, pain is my constant companion. Job said, I sought for the Lord, but I, I, I couldn't find him. Job couldn't understand. I've done my best. I've even sacrificed unto the Lord. And yet, Lord, I don't understand. I looked for you. Uh, I lost my family. I lost my children. I, I lost my friends. They mocked me. They, they ridiculed me. I lost everything. I lost my, 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 my income. I lost everything. Even my wife told me, why don't you just curse God, Job, and just die? 
I couldn't see him. I, I couldn't understand. I, I wanted to serve the Lord with all my heart and I did. And yet all of this took place in my life and it just didn't seem to make sense and, and I just couldn't see through the clouds I, I couldn't see through the cobwebs I was entangled entangled with, with the pain that I was going through I couldn't see him I couldn't see him when I said where are you? but now but now but now, after a period of time, I couldn't see you, Lord. But now, after a period of time, Job said in the 42nd chapter, the 6th, but now, but now mine eyes have seen you. After all hell broke loose, after all my pain and all my anxiety, all the stress and all the troubles, I didn't see it at the time of my pain. But after a period of time, after a period of time, now mine eyes have seen you. I thought I heard you. I thought I knew you. I thought I understood. And all these things, Things came upon me and things seemed so distant and so unclear. But after a while, something happened. Friends, this is exactly what Peter says. In 1 Peter chapter 5, I believe it's the 10th verse. Peter says, after you have suffered for a while. After you've gone through this storm for a while. After. After. There's a time, there's a purpose. God's in control. After, at the right time, because God knows what I'm going through, after you've gone through this, I will renew you, establish you, revitalize you, strengthen you. After you have suffered for a while, I will establish you. After that pain, after that agony, I saw something. After I saw purpose, I saw I saw there was a reason, and that's why Jesus said in chapter thirteen of the book of John, the seventh verse, "What I'm doing, you do not understand. What I'm doing right now, my beloved disciples, you don't understand. You don't see it right now, but after you will understand. It's the after. Oh, friends, how many times when you're going through that storm, you don't see clearly, you don't understand." things things don't make sense you, you, you start drawing within yourself and sometimes the pain is so deep you just want to be left alone and that's why David said in Psalm 55 he said oh he said he said oh I like the oh 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 this pain is so grievous oh oh if I if I only had wings of a dove uh, that I can just fly away and be at rest uh, I can't I just can't seem to take it I can't face just want to fly away. Yet David said in all of his pain, he said, it was a good thing that I was afflicted. How can you possibly say it was a good thing? Do you not know what I'm going through? I lost everything. And you're telling me it was a good thing? It was a good thing, David said. That's why Joseph said... To his brothers, you meant it for evil. All the debauchery and the barbarity you showed me. All the evil you showed me. You cast me into a pit. You left me for dead. I was thrown into a prison. I was mocked and ruined. I was in pain. You left me to die. You meant it for evil. But God meant it for good. God who's in control turned it around. I, I like this because, because I, I've shared this with you before. It's like ladies when you make a cake. You're making a cake. 
You got a cake mix. You've got some salt, maybe some lemon juice, whatever. You got some, whatever you take, eggs, sugar, right? Anything else, Elaine? I don't know. Is there any, so, what, baking soda. Now, let me ask you something. If, if, if I decide to have some salt, how is that going to taste? Or what if I decide to take, just eat the cake mix by itself? How's that going to taste? If I just take a whole bunch of butter and start, how's the butter going to taste? The, the baking soda, how does baking soda taste? Pretty bad, doesn't it? They all taste terrible individually. All these ingredients taste terrible individually. Ah, but what if I take all these ingredients, put them in a bowl, I put the sugar, the cake mix, or the baking soda, you name it, the butter, the cake mix, and you just begin to stir it up. You begin to stir it up. You begin to stir it up, and then you place it into the oven, and you wait about 45 minutes to an hour, whatever, and all of a sudden you take it out, and there you have a marvelous cake. But my brothers and sisters, as you start tasting it, it tastes so good, but what if you tasted those ingredients before it went into the oven. They would taste terrible, but once you stir them up and put them in the bowl, and then put them into the oven, and all of a sudden, as it comes out at the right time, at the right moment, you have a delicious, marvelous, great tasting cake. But before, when you were putting it together with all those ingredients, they don't taste very good. You see, friends, all the pain that you're going through that moment tastes really bad. And it's very difficult to clearly see when you're in a storm. It's too cloudy. It's too windy. It's too dark. But verse 20 tells us it was so dark that Paul says, there's no hope. We have no hope in this storm. Look what it says. Verse 20. He says here, And when neither sun nor stars in many days appeared, and no small tempest lay on us, all hope that we should be saved was lost. Hopelessness. Is there anything worse than hopelessness? Despair? That's why there's so much suicide today, because there's so much hopelessness. There's nothing worse than when you have no hope. That's why the Bible says, hope that is deferred, make it the heart sick. When there's no hope, you feel sick. When there's no hope, there's no reason to live. There's an empty darkness deep within your spirit, deep inside. And so you're crying out, oh God, where are you? I never thought this would happen to me. I never imagined. I mean, I went to Sunday school, pastor, and I even gone to Bible college. I studied, and I was at the prayer meetings every Friday night. I, I, don't, I don't understand. My brothers and sisters, there's something I want to share with you. If, if you want to know where God is, if you want to know where his presence is he is there with you in the storm for the bible declares that he's a very present help in time of 
He's a very present help in time of. Right there in the storm. Right there. Right in the storm. You see, if you can't change your problem, then you must change your perspective on how you see things. Perspective is everything. Perspective is so important, especially when you're going through a crisis. How you see things. Job said, God knows the way I take. God knows the way I take. When he tries me, I shall come forth pure as gold. When he tries me, not if, he knows the way. I don't know. The Bible tells me that as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons. It's God who's leading me. The steps of a righteous man are ordered by the Lord. You think you're ordering your steps. No, my friend, God is leading. God is, Jeremiah 10, it is not in man to direct his ways. It is God. Lead me in the path of righteousness for thy name's sake. It is God. Brother, understand nothing just happens. God's in control. He's leading you. He's leading. He's guiding your steps. Yeah, 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 yeah. Every, even the bad steps that you think are horrific has purpose. Even the steps that you think there's no way. This canoe has purpose. Why? Because we serve a sovereign God who's in control of your life. Who's got one foot upon the land and one foot upon the sea. There's nothing you do or go through that God does not see. He knows the way I take. He knows the way I take. When he tries me, I shall come forth pure as gold. I'm going to be tried, brothers and sisters. I'm going to go through the furnace. But you see, God isn't the devil. The devil's an arsonist. He wants to burn you up. He wants to destroy you in that storm. He wants to destroy you in that furnace. But God is a refiner. He wants to make something wonderful in that furnace. He wants to create something beautiful in that furnace. So when he tries me, not if, when he tries me, he tries me. When thou goest through the fire, Isaiah 43, when thou goest through the fire, not around the fire, through the fire, I'm going to go through the fire, thou shalt not be burnt. When thou goest through the storm, through the waters, they shall not overflow you. In other words, you won't drown. You might think you're drowning. You might be gasping for air. God will not abandon you. He's always and will always be the fourth man in the fire with you. He will never leave nor forsake you, especially when you're in the storm. Oh, my friends, if I can only see that. And the devil, he'll tell you, oh, God's not with you. The devil will come to you and whisper in your ear, if God is with you, then why are you going through this? The devil will come and whisper in your ear and tell you if God is with you, then why are you suffering like this? If God is with you, then why are all these things happening against you? Surely God is not with you. It doesn't even make sense. I'm a logical person. Yeah, it just doesn't make sense. Logic, how possible that God 
is with me and I'm going through all these things. He must have, and he'll accuse you. He'll accuse you of all things. He'll even bring up your past and tell you, God can't be with you. Look what you did 20 years ago. You're just reaping what you've done. Look, you're, 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 there's no way God is with you. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. Oh, my friends, listen to me. Have you ever had hell accuse you? Get it in your face and point out your weaknesses, showing your indiscrepancies, showing you all your insufficiencies. Yes, he's an accuser of the brethren. But I got a word for you, and I serve him notice as Jude did. In Jude, the ninth verse, Michael contending with the devil was disputing about the body of Moses. And he did not pronounce a judgment against him. But this is what he said. The Lord rebuke you. Oh my, I got a word for you. God will rebuke the accuser. God is fighting my battle. God is the mighty warrior. The battle isn't yours, my friend. God will deal with him. He is the one who is the warrior, the mighty warrior. And when he's bringing you and he's bringing me down, the Lord is fighting my battles for me. Is there anyone here this morning that, that God spoke up for? Yeah, yeah, yes. Those who God stood up for right in the middle of your mess. Oh, my friends, if it hadn't been for the Lord, David said in Psalm 120, if it hadn't been, the, I didn't see it because I was hurting too much. If it hadn't been for the Lord, Psalm 124, I couldn't understand it because I was ensnared by that web that that brother across the street late for me. I couldn't see it. I was governed by emotions. I allowed my emotions to take control of me so I couldn't see things properly. I couldn't perceive things properly. I was too entangled by what I saw and I ended up walking by sight rather than by faith. I lost sight of God. My pain was so deep. The clouds were so dark. All I saw were ominous clouds surrounding me. I couldn't see properly. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever gone through something like that where you couldn't see? David said, if it hadn't been for the Lord, I would have been swallowed up. I, I wouldn't have been able to make it. Oh, let the redeem say so. Let the redeem praise him for what could have happened but God. What should have happened but God, but God, rest, I couldn't see it, but God did something that I didn't see. God, something I wasn't aware of. Oh, that men would praise him, Psalm 107. For his, oh, that men would praise him. Praise him. I feel him. I praise him when I don't feel it. I praise him when I do feel like it. I'll praise him because I know you're still in control. My praise is a weapon. It's more than a sound. My praise is a shout that brings Jericho down. Oh, my friends, if you can shout that Jericho, those walls will come down. If you can praise him when you feel it. And if you can praise him when you don't. Oh, my friends, as long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason to praise the Lord, oh, my soul. As long as I'm breathing, I've got a reason. I won't be quiet. My God is alive. 
How can I keep it inside? I won't be quiet. My God is alive. How can I keep it If I can only praise him in the storm, I can praise him when the sun's shining, but if I can, if I can just praise him in the storm. Yes, friends, that job you thought you would get, but the storm got it. Mm -hmm. That dream you had, uh, but the storm got it. And now it seems everything is washed away. That relationship is gone. And now you feel like a failure. And the devil's accusing you. You see, you're never going to amount to anything. You're a failure. Look what happened last week. Look what happened three years ago. Think someone's going to love you after what you did? Look at you. You'll never amount to anything. Who can love you? No one wants to be with someone like you. Oh, and for some of you, maybe there's somebody on Facebook who believed those lies. And now you don't see yourself properly because, because of your pain and these insecurities. And you don't love yourself because of that pain. And when someone comes along who wants to love you, you won't let them in. No, no, no. You won't let them love you. You don't love yourself can someone love me? You push them away because you don't understand why anyone would love someone like me. Someone worthless like me. And so you self-sabotage for the accuser has made you believe a lie. As a man thinketh in his heart, so is. The secret storm persists and the silence persists and you're screaming but nobody hears. And the enemy tells you to count how many times you have failed. The enemy will come and tell you to focus on all the failures. Yes, just keep counting all the losses. Oh, my friends, but I got a word this morning. But can you just, can, can, can you count how many times God has sustained you? Can you count how many times God protected you and helped you? Well, we seem to count our calories more than we do our blessings, don't we? We need to stop focusing on what we've lost and begin to focus on what we just because you've had a painful past, my dear friend, does not mean you cannot have a powerful future. It's not over yet. For he that's begun a good work in you 
shall complete it for I've learned Paul said I've learned Philippians 4 I've learned I've learned I've gone through trials I did this didn't come easy I had to learn this yeah I know I'm an apostle yeah I, I, I know I've seen God I know I've experienced his power in my life yeah yeah I know all that but but I've learned I've learned through the course of life I've learned through the struggles I've learned through the storms I've learned through the furnaces I've learned that whatever state I'm in it doesn't matter what's whatever state I could be happy it could be I could be in the penthouse I could be in the doghouse it doesn't whatever state I'm in. I've learned to be content. I'm not going to allow my circumstances to detect how I feel. I can't allow the storms to, to guide me, to, to push certain buttons in my emotions to make me feel good, to make me feel happy. I can't do that. I, I can't do that. I, can't do that. I, I've learned whatever state I am in to be content because I've learned that God is with me, will not abandon me, and that He has purpose in my life because storms are necessary. They're not permanent. They're temporary. Storms awaken us. They cause us to see clearly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the greatest things, listen to me, the greatest turning points in life are always made in the crisis, in that crucible. Yes, 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 yes. In the rain. It's never, listen, the greatest never comes in the sunshine. It never comes in the sunshine. The greatest turning point comes when it's raining, when you're in pain, because too much sunshine causes Deserts. I know we love the sunshine. But if you're in the sunshine too long, friends. We need the rain. And so Paul in our text is counting. Watch this. Now this oh, can I go a little deeper? He's counting on that ship. To protect him and bring him to his destination. Destination. Remember that word, destination. But, but this ship is now coming apart. So, so things aren't making sense. And you think that your life is over. Has anything ever happened to you that just doesn't make sense? And friends, I got to ask you. I got to ask you. Are there some things that are coming apart in your life? You're in a storm and you're saying, what do I do? What do I do when God gives me something that I'm depending on, but it's coming apart? God's given me something that I'm depending upon, but it's coming apart. God's giving me this marriage, yeah, but it's coming apart. God's giving me, but it's coming apart. I thought God called me to this death, but it's coming apart. It doesn't make sense. I'm all confused. I don't see it. It's coming apart. It's coming apart. God, where are you? It's, it's coming apart. How am I going to get to my destination? Oh. But wait a minute. I, I see something. I see something, friends. I, I, can it be? Can it be? Just can it be? Can it be? Can it be? Can it be that what, se oh, that what seems to be falling apart is actually falling into place? Can it be, can it be that what seems to be falling apart is actually falling into place? Can it be that as I'm perceiving things with my, with my natural eye, because I, I don't see it, but can it be in the spirit realm that what seems to be falling apart is actually falling into place? Can it be? Is it possible? Or am I going to assess everything by what I see and what I feel? Can it be? He 
see, God didn't promise anything about the ship. It's not about the temporary, brothers and sisters. It's not about the ship. It's not about the temporary. Verse 22, Paul says, our lives will be saved. Did you see that? It's going to be saved, but not by the ship. You see, God promised to guide you, to protect you, not to forsake you. It's not about the ship. It's not about the, the external. God doesn't preserve the temporary. He doesn't preserve the ships. No, he preserves you. Psalm 121, he preserves you're going and you're coming you're going and you're coming in other words he's watching over you his eye is on the sparrow you are the apple of his eye you are worth something you are valuable you are his workmanship you are joint heirs with him you are important to him you mean something to God he's invested everything in you and me you think he's just going to abandon you I got a $50 bill right here if I, uh, if I put some water on it, you know, if I crumble it up and throw it down, if I take it and I put some dirt on it, I can make some dirt. Oh, yeah, there's some dirt over here. Here, I got some dirt. I got some dirt here. I got some dirt here. Got some dirt. And I go to some of you and I say, hey, anybody want my $50 bill? You want it back there? Hey. Does anybody want it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah I, I got, let me ask you. Why do you want a dirty 50? Why do you want a crumpled, waterlogged $50 bill? Why? Can I tell you why? I'll tell you why, since you've been asking. You see, all the dirt that hell has thrown at you, all the water that almost drowned you. All the things that called you to cause you to crumble up and crawl up into a cave and want to escape from life. All that pain has not diminished the worth of this $50 bill. No matter what I did with the money, you wanted it because it's never lost its worth. You see, brothers and sisters, there will be times in your life that life itself will crumble us and grind us. and You might feel worthless and dirty and unappreciated. But you are most valuable. Stop focusing on what you see all the time. We're too feely what I feel all the time. Bowing down to our emotions. Oh, but the word of God, 2 Corinthians 4.18, tells us we look not upon the things that are seen. We look not, well, we look upon the things that are unseen. The invisible. For the things that are seen are temporal. The things that are not seen are eternal. That's why the very St. Paul, who was on that ship, we don't walk by sight. We can't do can't do that. Perspective, 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 perspective. You've heard me say this before. Why do I love spiders? And most people hate spiders. I'll tell you one. Did you know that a spider has eight eyes? Did you know that a spider has eight eyes? Did you know that? Eight. Did you know that? So when a spider wants to eat, what does it do? You figure, well, he's got eight eyes. I'm going to catch my, I'm going to catch my prey. I got eight eyes. Hey, you got two. I got, he's got eight. 
You figure for sure a spider will catch. He's got he's eyes behind his back, he's behind his head. He's got eyes everywhere. Surely, when a spider wants to eat, or certainly where he wants to go, he'll use his eight eyes. Why would God give a spider eight eyes? If anybody can walk by sight, it's a spider. <laughs> ah, my friend. Ah, my friend. But a spider does not catch its prey with its eyes. A spider forms a web. And it sits with its legs spread ready to sense any vibration that comes from the web that the spider detects by the fine hairs on its legs. And once those fine fibers are being shaken and he senses something is on the web, vibrations, it makes a beeline right to that insect and wraps its web around it. And there is lunch. A spider who has eight eyes does not operate by sight, but by the vibrations, by the little hairs. We'll call that faith. We are to walk by faith, not by sight. As many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Lord, I don't want my will. I know, I, I know I'm, it seems like I should be doing this. It seems like I should be going there. It seems like this is the right person to marry. It seems like I see it. It seems it makes a lot of sense. The logic, the lie. But, 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 but wait a minute, there's, there's, there's something else telling me it. The web is being shaken. There's some telling me that not to base your judgment by what you see. You see, brothers and sisters, watch this. You see, it's not more eyesight we need. It's more insight we need. We got a lot of eyesight. A lot of it. Man, do we have eyesight. We're great at solving problems and we're great at making analysis because we can see real well. The church is great at figuring out certain things because we can see it. So since we can see it, we can dissect it and we can deal with it. Ah, but there's some things, friends, that you can see very clearly. And you can spend a lot of time trying to analyze and dissect. And you can come to a conclusion. And I can tell you before the eyes of God, you're making a big mistake. Because God's ways are not your ways. His thoughts are not your thoughts. And what seems to be right could be absolutely the opposite. You see, brothers and sisters, life lesson. If your ship is going down, then God must have something else. Stay with me. 
He must have something else to get you the rest of the way because of the promise that he said that he will never abandon you. He will never leave you and forsake you. And I'll tell you what my faith tells me. My sight will tell me he's abandoned me. But, but, but my, my hair is on my leg. I'm getting a different feet. I, God, the word of God says he won't leave me. And I'm going to trust what God says. I'm going to trust what his words. I know it's not popular today to believe in the word of God. I know it's not popular to stand on the conviction of the word because we like to do everything else. And so, and so we, we, we don't want to offend people. We don't, want to, we don't want to use certain words that the Bible speaks of because we, we, we become more tolerant as a society and we don't want to use words like sin and repentance and the blood. We don't want to offend. And, we and so we'll take out certain things that the Bible says and we'll remove them and we'll replace them with other things and we'll add certain things just so, just so we, we, we won't offend people so we can somehow make the gospel more inclusive let's see what we can do to make it appetizing and so let's not preach this let's not do this let's just let's just compromise a little bit all right we don't want to offend we have no problem no problem not wanting to offend people but but you see you see we have a big problem because because if you if you don't want to offend people that's that's one issue but we have no problem it seems offending god Oh yes, we have no problem with that. Verse 18, and they began to throw things overboard. The ship is too heavy. They're losing control. And so they try to lighten the load. Things are coming apart and people are getting desperate. The ship is going down and now it seems all is lost. Verse 20, I got another life lesson. Can it be, can it be, brothers, are you ready for this? Can it be that the destruction of the ship means that you have arrived at your destination? Oh, I'm telling you, stay with me. Can it mean that the destruction of your ship means that you have arrived? I see that in scripture. The Bible tells us that the ship was destroyed, but they got there. They got there. Oh, I see so many things. Despite the ship was falling apart, they arrived. Listen, brothers and sisters, life lesson, life lesson. They may not get there the way they wanted, but they got there. You might not get what you want, but you got it. You may have not arrived the way you wanted to arrive, but you arrived. You got there. All things work together. The salt, the butter, the raw eggs, all those ingredients are being stirred up. Something beautiful is about to take place. You don't see it right away, but God is in control. He works on a different level. I know the plans I have for you, Jeremiah 29. I know the plans. I, got, I know the thoughts. I, and there's one purpose, one conclusion, to give you an expected end, to give you hope, to give you destiny. I'm going to work it out. And you've heard me say this before, because I'm the great ambidextrous God. I know you'll like this one. Ambidextrous. I am equally ambidextrous. I am just as powerful with my left hand as I am with my right hand. I know you want to see my right hand all the time. 
time, the right hand of power and might, the right hand of miracles. But my left hand, God says, is just as powerful. My left hand goes subterranean. My left hand, it goes to places that you can't see, does things you can't comprehend, touches you and blesses you when you don't see it. It's my left hand, my invisible hand that you can't see, but it is just as powerful as my right hand. Because there's only one who's truly ambidextrous. It is God. Who works equally well with both hands. Because he's in control. My friends, you need to understand that my baptismal candidates, I've talked to some of you. You need to understand the greatest lesson, one of them. To understand that God has everything in control Especially when you think your ship is falling apart. Got to bring this to a close, but watch this. You see, friends, we need to stop grieving over the boat. Maybe you're in love with what you have more than you are with God. Oh, I can go further with this one. Maybe you are in love with your boat more than you are with God. Maybe you're in love with your husband more than you are with God. Maybe you're in love with wanting a relationship with a beautiful knight in shining armor. Oh yeah, with a white horse galloping into the sunset of euphoria. Friends, let me tell you something. That knight doesn't exist. If he does, let me speak to him. I'll set him straight. Yeah. Maybe you want that relationship, huh? That desire now has become an idol. I don't know who I'm speaking to. And you're in a ship and it's broken and it's falling apart. Are you ready for my last one? No, this is probably the greatest one. Watch this, watch this. I'll give you two R's. Sometimes God, you've heard me say this but in a different way. Sometimes God will wreck your plans so your plans won't wreck you. Sometimes God will wreck your plans so your plans won't wreck you. Because some of you think you've got it all in control. Some of you think you've got it all figured out. Some of you think you're so smart. You've got all these degrees. You've done, but you think you've got it all together. And God will come along and he'll break that ship just to let you know that you're not in control. And what you're hoping for and wishing for, you don't see it now. But will destroy you one day, but you don't see it. God loves you too much to give it to you. And you're trying to fix that problem. But God is using that problem to fix you. There's a greater picture, brothers and sisters. Just because the ship is broken doesn't mean you can't survive. Oh, just because the ship is broken doesn't mean you can't survive. Stop holding on to your past. Stop holding on. Because you're still in love with Egypt, aren't you? Let it go. Get rid of those spiritual 
security blankets. Get rid of those spiritual pacifiers, those spiritual wheelchairs, things you're depending on more than you are with God. God has to break that ship. God has to. You're holding on to it. Let it go. Lay aside those weights that so easily besets us, Paul. We're in a race. I can't run with all these weights around me. I can't even run a mile if I got weights. Like I can't run. I got to lay aside those weights. And so they're tossing things overboard. They're tossing things overboard. The ship's too heavy. It's going down. Oh, God. But you see, friends, you can still make it. Even if your boat is in pieces. I've got a word for somebody. Yes, even if those dreams are shattered. Because God can restore those years. Those crooked paths. You see, God's no is not rejection. God's no is not rejection. God's no is not rejection. But God's no can perhaps, oh, just perhaps, be redirection. He's redirecting. You wanted to get there by a boat, but God had some other plans. God is able. God is able. He is the one who's able. He's the omnipotent, omnipotent, immutable, almighty God. Listen to me. Listen to me. God, God doesn't, doesn't sit among the council of gods. He's God all by himself. He doesn't scratch his head and say, what am I going to do? He's subject to no one, influenced by no one. He does as he pleases. No one and no thing can hinder him. No, no, no friends or compel him or stop him. He has no challenges, no rivals. He is supreme. He's the immutable, unchanging God. And the devil, the devil I know. And some of you overrated. I know the devil's mighty, friends. I know that. I know that. He might be mighty, but I got a word. God, God is the, the all. Mighty. have a good marriage even if your partner's not perfect. Well, I don't know who I'm speaking to. You can have a good marriage even if your partner isn't perfect. My God. I don't have to have everything in place, Mr. Perfectionist, all the time to succeed. Oh God. You, you might see that storm as a crisis, but God is saying, you must see it as an opportunity. Perspective. Perspective. Perspective, perspective, perspective. Goliath drove Israel mad. Goliath brought fear to Israel. Goliath, Goliath is too big, said Israel. Goliath is too strong, said Israel. Here comes little David, 140 pounds soaking wet. He looks at Goliath, this monstrosity of a man, nine feet tall. David, what, what is he? Five foot eight, 140. Here he is. There he is, David. David looking at this monstrosity. And David says, what? You? How dare you? You see, you, see, you see, Israel saw Goliath as a big problem. David sees Goliath because he sees God as a big God and Goliath as a little problem. Perspective. How big is your God? When your God gets bigger, your problem gets smaller. 
I'll say it again. What seems to be falling apart can actually be falling into place. Because God's working it. Yes, my friends. Yes, yes. He calms the storm. Psalm 107. He rescues me from drowning. Psalm 18. He rescues me from drowning. I'll tell you why. Because he's the water walking God. Yeah, yeah. He's the God who walks over things that cause you to drown in. He's the God who walks over things that will cause you to drown in. Yeah, yeah. He's the water walking God. And I might, I might be floating on broken pieces, but I'm not falling apart. God is with me. I might have a cramp in my leg, but I can still swim because God is with me. Yeah, I can make it. I know what the devil's saying. I can make it because God is with me. Because God stood with me, Paul said. Everybody forsook me, Second Timothy chapter 4. Everybody forsook me. All my friends forsook me, Paul. Paul is in prison. He's about to be beheaded. Everybody abandoned him. And there he is by himself. He said, everyone forsook me, but God stood with me. God. And what I want to tell you, my friend, stop worrying about who doesn't stand with you. Stop worrying about who's not with you. Your testimony is that God stood with you. That God is by your side. Is there anybody in this building who can declare that God is with you? Yeah, yeah. And so keep fighting the fight of faith, friends. Keep fighting the fight of faith. Second Timothy chapter 4. But I got to keep fighting this faith. My eyes are on God. God is with me. Keep fighting the fight of faith faith. Yes, I may have lost some stuff in that storm. I may have lost a lot of friends in that storm. I may have lost a lot of money in that storm. I may have lost a lot of time in that storm. I may have even lost my confidence in that storm. But God! God stood with me. But God. Yeah, but God. I kept down on my knees. I and I was in the hospital, and I was in the ditch, in the courtroom, God. Because God sees me, Genesis 16. Because God hears me, 1 John 5. Because God knows me, Jeremiah 1. Because God cares for me, 1 Peter 5. Because God knows me and loves me, John 3. And God will cause Pharaoh to turn me loose. That I can praise him and declare. That my God is able. That there's none like my God. That he's mighty. Let the redeemed say so. Let the redeemed say so. When I think about the Lord. How he saved me. How he raised me. How he heals me. Makes me want to shout. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, your word. Please, don't ever forget that God will never abandon you. Because he's my way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God, that is who you are.
Waymaker, miracle work, promise keep, light in the darkness. My God, that is can I have all the baptismal? Keep singing. Baptismal candles, can you stand? I want to pray for you. Waymaker. Baptismal. My God, that is who you are. Even when I don't see that, even though I don't feel that you're working, you never stop. You never stop working, never stop, you never even though I don't feel it. Father, I pray for every baptismal candidate. The blessing of these wonderful people, Lord, that have stirred our hearts. The testimonies, oh God. The experiences they've gone through with you. Father, you said that we are to preach the gospel, making disciples, baptizing them. Lord, I pray that you cause this word to go deep into their hearts, that you will never leave them. That you will strengthen them each and every day. That there's purpose and destiny for their lives. There's a reason why. There's a reason and there's always hope. That we serve a mighty God because he lives I can face tomorrow. I thank you Lord that you hold me in the palm of your hand. And I pray Lord that you will cause them to grow in leaps and bounds. And that many lives will be touched. We love you Lord. And we give you all the praise. I commit them now into your hands. For your glory in Jesus name. Someone's got to shout. Pastor Natty, can you just give them the certificates? We have, we have some candidates.